Welcome back to the Skips News Podcast. I am Jane Simmons. And I'm Grant Vandervoort. What's going on, guys? We're here today with Daniel Fetter. Super excited. So Daniel's our friend from college. Grant and I did improv with him for, I don't know, how many years? Three years? Yeah. I think three years. Yeah, you guys yeah. did a little bit longer than I did because I joined late. But yeah, oh, okay. I went to all the shows. Swish, swish, swish. <laughs> But yes, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank yeah, you, man, thank for, you. for coming on. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. Do we have a lot to talk about? I know. Um, we're like playing catch up right now. And it's like, we're like, wait, 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 we have to wait. We have to wait. We have yeah. to right, right. We're holding all the, the questions. Right. We're not used to like, wait, let's <laughs> save it say, for the air. Yeah, let's record this conversation. <laughs> um, Daniel, why don't you tell the audience just a little bit about yourself? Um, uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I am an actor i went to east carolina with both grant and jane uh, i was in jane's uh musical theater and professional acting class while we were in school grant was a year below us and uh i moved to new york um my second semester of my senior year i was here taking classes with uh syracuse's tepper semester program which was really awesome and then I stayed here uh through graduation I was living in the city for about a year and then was very fortunate to join the Book of Mormon national tour so crazy so that's where I've been for like the past three months oh gosh that is incredible. That is just absolutely incredible. So I mean, you I mean you have to tell us about the tour, dude. Oh yeah, like, I mean, I'm I'm still pinching myself about it. Should I? I don't know where should I start. Like, well, okay, uh, let's let's start. Um, I, I want to start actually back when you found out because you were at a different contract. <laughs> okay, yeah, so yeah, I want to yeah. talk about that process. And Daniel, oh, okay. pull the mic more into like the vocal line. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That 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 is like gold. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. I'm still learning podcast. You're good. You're good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. So, uh, yeah, basically I uh, was at a different performing job down in Florida over the summer. And while I was down there, they were auditioning shows for the rest of their season. And I got a role in their next show that was happening. I think it was like a three-week break in between the closing of the show that I was doing. I was doing Beauty and the Beast. And then there were three weeks in between the end of that re- uh, performance schedule and then rehearsals for Dames at Sea, which was the next show that I would have been doing. Would have been doing is the key word. <laughs> um, and I uh, was going back to New York in that time. I had an apartment in New York to go back to. And while I was uh, getting ready to leave Florida to head back to New York, I saw online a listing for a job with the book of mormon and it was the uh the standby for elder price on broadway and that has always been one of my dream roles since i started doing theater i remember like in college you yeah. singing songs from like, oh my god yeah. from that role from the show and they were awesome like your freshman year our freshman year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah i did that with donald like right. freshman year um <laughs> 
Wow. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that was that was something that I saw, and I was like, well, I mean, regardless if anything comes from this, I have to try because it's a dream role. And uh, uh, funnily enough, the the only other time I went in for the show, uh, I showed up to an audition and got typed out for the show. No way. Which is. So, so for those of you who don't know, sometimes you go to these auditions and you'll show them your headshot and you don't even get seen by the no, casting directors. No. But if you don't look right for the show, then they'll, it's called getting typed out. So they'll just send you home. Yeah. They just looked at my picture and they said, nope, no thanks. And uh, sent me home. That's the fun part about being an actor. <laughs> oh, that's, that's one of the many fun parts. The quickest letdown. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so I uh, submitted for the role, and I got an appointment to audition, and they sent some material my way, and I went in for the casting director, and for, uh, I think it was the music director at that time, Um, and then did the material. It went pretty well. I got a callback, and then I went in again, and I got another callback, and then um, I went in a few more times and they uh, told me that the role that they were auditioning for was going to be the standby on in the Broadway company or the uh, understudy who is in the ensemble of the show as well on the national tour. And so can they, you, can you tell everyone what the difference between a standby yeah. and an understudy is? Yeah. So um, at the time when I started auditioning, it was for the standby, which is essentially uh, the only role that you learn is the role that you're standing by for. And the standby's job is basically to be ready at all times to go on. Um, and if you're not going on, basically just sit backstage and see if you're needed that night for any reason. So hypothetically, like a standby, if... Elder Price is doing a tap number and like twists his ankle mid song and like runs off stage. Could the standby just run like be able to just run right back on stage in the middle of the choreo, pick up everything, know what to sing and everything like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the standby's job um, is basically to just uh, wait backstage for, you know, an unfortunate accident like that to happen. And there are, there are times when he'll find out, you know, maybe an hour and a half before the show's about to start that he's going on or uh, maybe a day before. Maybe there's a planned vacation where he knows he's going to go on. But any situation where uh, there is an emergency that Elder Price would have to leave, the standby would go on. The understudy is a very similar sort of track, but uh, I'm also in the ensemble of the show every night as well so I'm not just sitting backstage I'm on stage with the rest of the actors I'm doing the show every night in a different track and then if Elder Price goes out if the standbys are out as well and they can't go on for some reason then I would have to go on and there are occasions where there could be a planned uh, vacation or planned leave of absence where I would have guaranteed shows to go on. But, you know, for the most part, it's the standbys are the first line of defense for if anything were to happen. Unplanned. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anything unfortunate were to go wrong. Um, yeah, so I... In the uh, whole audition process that I was in, 
um, I was initially going for the standby on Broadway, and then um, they pooled those of us that were still in the process for that together with some of the people that were auditioning for the tour as well. And then they danced all of us. Uh, We learned like two numbers from the show and then another round and another round and another round. And then it was, you know, me and the director of the Broadway company and the, one of the producers of book of Mormon and all these uh, people that I had like dreamed of being in front of the big shots, the big shots, the big shots. Uh, and it was a lot of pressure. It was, um, very intimidating, but every round that I got further, I kept telling myself, well, um, I must be here for some reason. They must see something in me. And worst case scenario, I get to work with all of these people in this room. So that's something that I could have only dreamed of doing a few years ago. Now, were people getting cut like right in front of you or were people were just less people showing up the next day? Or was it like an invite, like call board list? Like, how does that work? It was more uh, less and less people would be invited back every round. Okay. There weren't uh, there weren't really um, active cuts happening because there were like six rounds of it. They could sort of take their time with that. Uh, but it started out... Um, there were maybe, uh, 25 guys, uh, for the first round that I went in. Um, Do you walk in and just everybody looks like you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all a bunch of like, yeah. Book, Book of Mormon's a very specific. All American. Cutter, like yeah. Cookie cutter. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was like, you know, I, I walked into the room, um, and it was just a bunch of, muscular six foot tall guys looking exactly like me and all of them trying to ignore the fact that everyone else looks Mm -hmm. exactly like them. Uh, And you know, it's, it's intimidating when you walk into a room, uh, especially for a role of that like caliber. Um, And you're waiting in the hall while everyone else goes in, you're hearing them do the same like, 32 bars that you're about to do uh, because when I was auditioning it was all material from the show mm-hmm. so it was like uh, the last the last verse of I believe every one of us went in and sang that and that was our audition and so you hear so many other people do the same materials material that you're doing um, and are you just trying to find ways to be like different and try to stand out or like what like because, you know, from school, they're always like, there's always going to be a million people that look exactly like you. Like, you have to try to be different out of, like, the thousands, the seas of people. So. Right, right. I mean, it's, uh, it's that temptation is definitely there to try and find something that is, you know, what can I do? What can I throw in last minute that's going to make me stand out? Um, but one of the things that I learned uh, in school that has really stuck with me over the years is uh, I had a professor tell me to uh, right before you go in the room for an audition just sit and reflect on the things that you can offer that nobody else can offer the things that make you special as a performer and when I take the time to reflect on those things before doing an audition like this where I'm just so intimidated and it's like a dream role and I'm you know there's the potential to put so much pressure on yourself to 
do something that's going to make you stand out or make you memorable. Um, what I try and do is just remember that what what you bring to the table, like what you normally do as a performer is memorable enough. You don't need to throw in a gimmick. You don't need to, you know, do an, a wink and a nod to the people behind the casting table because sometimes that's appropriate. You know, maybe it is appropriate for a show like the Book of Mormon that's just, you know, so through and through yeah. a, a comedy. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of the time, stuff like that, and I've seen it go wrong in the room when I'm auditioning, like, next to other people, uh, where it just comes off really disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're just you're just trying too hard. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't want to appear like you... Th- that's, I think, the... Another one of the fun things about being an actor is you need you need to go after every job with like everything you have, but you also need to go into the room not seeming like you want it more than anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like this constant the, the catch twenty two exactly the catch twenty two mm-hmm. of like I gotta appear totally cool, calm, and collected when underneath I'm just like losing my mind mm-hmm. with with stress and anxiety it's uh you know it's it's intimidating yeah and and I think what you were saying about finding like what makes you different is such good advice not only for actors but for literally like every job ever oh absolutely nothing is more intimidating than auditions job interviews like all that kind of stuff where you're put in the spotlight and they like someone may or may not pick you those are the things that are just like so stressful. So just like remembering what what's important about me, like what's special about me and not trying to like throw in something that's not genuine to you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great advice because you're just saying instead of like deliberately trying to do something different, you just understand what makes you different and that should reflect itself through your audition slash performance inherently. And like that's kind of what they look yeah. for instead of like, oh, I, I'm looking for like, you know, uh, a weird move or like a, a weird inflection. No, you're just saying like bring your A game, but like it's bring your game specifically and that in, its, in and of itself will make you stand out. And I never thought of it that way because I mean, when I go into auditions, I'm thinking like, okay, how can I be different? Like, what can I do to make it different? But at the, in the end, like it normally is, yeah, disingenuous. It's not genuine because it's not A, something I prepared, but B, it's also I'm only doing it to stand out instead of like elevate the performance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, some, sometimes stuff like that can make you stand out. Sometimes it really works in your favor. Um, if, you know, say you're in a audition situation that's like a cattle call and they're seeing hundreds of people in a row doing something that's going to get people to wake up a little bit might be super beneficial to you. But, uh, when I was, you know, in in a situation where you're a few rounds in, uh, for a show like that, I, I had to just keep telling myself, you know, the thing that's going to make me stand out is just giving an honest performance, Mm -hmm. I think. And, Ultimately, it seems to have worked pretty well. (laughs) So I want to talk about tour life. Okay, so like not exo tour life, but tour life. That was a bad joke. That was was a really really bad joke. joke, Yeah, no, I can tell that you were planning that. That That song, uh, the all my friends are dead. Oh my! Oh (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, bad jokes, bad jokes, bad jokes. (laughs) All my friends are bread. Um, Okay, so. Just kidding. This is a gluten-free. That means gluten-free people just don't have friends. <laughs> right, right. 
All right. Not to so, offend our gluten-free brothers and sisters <laughs> listening at home. So I want to talk about tour life. Like, what is that? What is that like? It is uh, incredibly different. It is not at all what I expected it to be. Um, it's super exciting, but also super challenging at the same time. Um, I, uh, well, I mean, I'll start with the beginning, I guess, of my experience on tour, um, where I, I was starting the rehearsal process. I was, uh, you know, obviously the Book of Mormon has been a popular show for almost a decade now. And so it's been running on tour. Uh, the tour that I'm on has been running for, I think coming up on eight years. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they've been on the road for a while and everything runs like clockwork. Uh, so I came in as a replacement for, uh, a guy who was leaving and I had about a week and a half to learn the entire show. Um, so yeah, I'd be freaking out. Not only, and correct me if I'm wrong, but not only the ensemble was this just the ensemble track. This first? thank this was just the ensemble. Okay, I couldn't track remember. First. I couldn't remember. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh Dude, so at the very say, beginning, right? That's that's a whole other story. I, at, at the very beginning, I got there and I was learning uh, my ensemble track. Uh, I literally got off a plane, had an hour and a half, and then started rehearsal that day. So. Yeah, I was uh, I was rehearsing with our dance captain, uh, Christian, uh, who is incredible and like was very patient with me the whole time, uh, and our stage manager and either the music director or the assistant music director, uh, depending on what was going on with the show at the time. Because while I'm rehearsing, they're still doing the show, and I'm just like touring with the cast rehearsing the show while they're still all performing um so i did the entire uh sort of choreography track of the show learned all of the dance uh track for my role uh in about a week and then i had a little bit of time with our stage manager going over scene work, mostly just like small, like blocking things for uh, scenes that I'm a part of. And then we were stringing it all together from start to finish. And then after about a week and a half, I had a understudy run with a few of the other cast members were for the first time after like a week and a half, uh, the understudy run is when I got to do any of the show with other people in the show so oh my god i didn't right. even think about that so you've been rehearsing by yourself this whole time exactly exactly oh my god that is so stressful that's impossible because you're having to like like spacing's an issue you it know like like watching other people dude <laughs> right so i was working with uh you really can't cheat on any of that no, can you, no, no, you can't no. watch the person in front of you <laughs> yeah and i don't i, I don't want to sell other dance captain short salala uh is our other dance captain she uh, is mainly in charge of the uh, Ugandan tracks, and she also understudies Ugandan women in the show. And Christian is mainly in charge of the Mormon boys, and he understudies 
the Mormon boys. People in the who show. don't know this show are probably like, what? Oh, right, right. <laughs> Go look up like a YouTube video. Go look it up. It's uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the guys who write South Park, wrote the show, and they're brilliant graduates with music degrees. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they're they went to oh, did they go to Yale? One of them. One of I mean, they went to both like I, massive, sure. amazing schools. Mm-hmm. They they're like geniuses. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you like South Park, it's like super. In raunchy. any case, it's it's incredibly smartly written. It's very raunchy. Super catchy music. Um, it's like the kind of show where you watch it and you're laughing and then you feel bad about it, but you're still laughing. Right. You're laughing <laughs> one minute and then you're like, why am I crying? I was just right. laughing at this show. <laughs> but what's brilliant is they get everyone. You know how they, they, oh, oh, yeah. that's oh, they what, make fun of everyone. That's what they're so good at. That's what South Park's so good at is they just offend everyone so no one's mad. Mm-hmm. Take a little, take a little sip of water. A little wine break. Yeah, (laughs) a nice Malbec. Yeah, Grant's going to get the box. Oh yeah, bring the the box over here. Slap the bag, bag, baby. (laughs) Um, what was I talking about? Learning the show. Yeah, learning the show. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I was working with uh, Christian and Salala. They were basically just jumping around me, doing different tracks in the show. So at any point when I had to interact with somebody in the rehearsal process, they were there to sort of hand that off with me and then they would Mm -hmm. jump around and go run into a different part. So that is another job that I could never imagine doing. These dance captains who have, you know, at minimum like 20 different tracks in their show. It's, it's unbelievable. I just don't have a brain that operates like that. It's, (laughs) it's incredible. Right. Um, but yeah, so I learned the you show. Definitely still, Grant's like pouring this across the room, oh, trying yeah. to refill everyone's glass. You can definitely still hear it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the people know. The it's people no know. secret. It's a Saturday, it's a Saturday night. Do you want my ID? I swear, I'm 23. We're keeping things a little fast and loose here at the at the Skip Snooze Podcast right, Studio. Right, we're right. Always oh, the studio. <laughs> um. So I want to, okay, I want to talk about like just the random questions I have. So earlier you were talking about a package that you got, aka the new AirPods, which are so cool. Yes, yes. So like how do you get mail when you're traveling all the time? That, that's one of the, one of the complicated parts of touring. You know, there, there are a lot of things that you just don't think about uh, before you leave for tour. Uh, one of them being mail. So anytime, uh, anytime I want any kind of mail sent to me on tour, it's either uh, sending it to wherever I'm staying, so I have to ship it to the front desk of my hotel, or ship and it. And how to, long? How long of like um, are you in places for? About a Normally. week. Okay. Typically, okay. it's uh, a week set down in each city so that we're like in. So, like, Amazon Prime is the BFF. That is the BFF. <laughs> and I have had some instances already where uh, I've had to, like, forward things because they didn't arrive in time or, uh, you know, get things sent back through the mail uh, because of shipping you know, mm-hmm. ridiculousness. Um, but it's either sending it to where you're at on tour or we can send it to the uh, production offices for Book of Mormon in New York City. And then once a week, they will send it to whatever theater we're at. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. And you can also have it shipped directly to the theater. There are a bunch of different ways to do it. And it all depends based on where you are um, about 
when you need it and if it's going to get there before we pack the whole show up and go to a different city. Right. You know? Um, so in the case of these AirPods that I got, um, I bought them probably six or seven weeks ago. And my idea was I wanted them to ship to uh, Memphis when we were sitting down in Memphis. Uh, and they didn't make it to Memphis. <laughs> so I get an email while we're in uh, Mexico from our offices in New York saying, hey, we got a package here for you. Uh, it would be really expensive to send it to Mexico. So if you're going to be back in New York when you're on vacation, uh, if you could just come pick them up at the offices, that would be way easier. So I had to just wait the whole time to go pick I'd them up. And so I was so oh frustrated. And so the I knew finally, oh finally after like weeks <laughs> of being like $250 in the hole, I already bought them. I right. finally got a hold of them and they're great. I highly yeah, recommend we just, them. We just played around with them and they're like really cool. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They're but pretty cool. Like waiting for stuff, it's the worst. And oh, you had to wait God. months for I stuff. Know. Could you imagine waiting for stuff? No. <laughs> God, Two days so, maximum. This is, a, this is a first world problem. Right. This is a first world problem. Um, <laughs> abort, abort. All right, I want to jump back in time actually and talk back about time. your time in college a little bit. So <laughs> let's talk about when when was all of that? Your junior year? Our junior year? Senior year? Oh, yeah. No, it yeah. must have been junior year. It, it was junior, yeah. Okay, okay. So I just want to tell us tell us a little bit about like what what happened. Oh, okay, okay. Um well Okay, so basically I was uh we were in school um in the performing arts uh, at ECU. I was uh at the time, I was doing the musical theater degree and the professional acting degree at ECU, and I was also, I think at that point, I was still technically a part of the honors college, but was not a very good honors student, <laughs> um, and I was taking too many credit hours. It was like 22 or 23 mm-hmm. a semester. Um, and on top of all of this, I was also, you know, very fortunate to be cast in productions that were happening at ECU, but I was doing either one or both of the main stage shows, uh, that were happening each semester pretty consistently, which again is wonderful that I got to apply my training that I was getting while I was still in school for it, but all of that work compounded. Uh, it was just really, really uh, weighing on me. And I caught myself uh, not sleeping as much. Uh, I wasn't socializing as much. I It, it was really putting a strain on all of my relationships. Um, and it got to a point where... I thought that I really needed to uh, pull back a little bit. And I didn't know where to pull back. Um, So I started going through the process of uh, leaving the Honors College. That was the first thing that I did. Um, And then I started going through the process of cutting back on hours. I was restructuring my whole uh, four-year... plan that I had for my class schedule so that I could 
you know, maybe take a few classes over the summer um, and lighten my load during each semester. At that point, were you still trying to graduate with both degrees? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was still trying to do both. Um, and then the next step that I took was I approached one of the uh, directors uh, at our school, one of the professors who directs on the main stage. And uh, I went into his office and I was just very honest with him. I said, hey, I'm feeling super overworked right now. Uh, I don't really uh, know where to sort of restructure, where to um, refocus my energy to get myself back on track. I would, uh, I would really like an opportunity to take this semester a little bit easier. Um, so I'm, I'm going to audition for the show, uh, 1776, mm-hmm. what we were doing next. And I we think. were all required when at our school, all of us were required to audition for mm-hmm. all of the main mm-hmm. stages. You had to audition, uh, if you were a BFA for all of the mm-hmm. productions. Um, and so I said, I'm, of course, I'm going to still audition. Um, I'm going to put as much into the audition as I can, but, um, I would appreciate if you would just sort of take me out of consideration for this show, just don't even um, factor me in because what I said to him in the room, I remember uh, pretty much verbatim. What I said was I would be happy to do the show, but it would not be anywhere near my best work if I were to. And I was just very honest with him. Crap. Which is a very mature thing to say and admit because you know, opportunities to get cast in shows are so great and like they're hard and it's competitive, but like as a performer and as a student to kind of realize with yourself, hey, like it's just a very mature kind of hard thing to decide, which, you know, says a lot about you. So that that's that's crazy and it's hard to do. But yeah, yeah. Very impressive you. that you were able to like kind of decide to do that, you know? Yeah, it took a lot uh it took a lot of, you know, consideration because I really I, I didn't on one hand, uh, you don't want to have to uh, be the hero uh, and um, do something that you're not up for because then you'll end up crashing and burning even worse than you would have. But at the same time, it was, you know, it was a show that I really wanted to be a part of. And I'd already worked with the director and I was super excited at the chance of doing another show with him. But at that time, it was just not something that I felt physically and emotionally and mentally up for and I said everything I had to say to him and he said okay I understand um I'm going to consider what you said and uh I look forward to seeing the seeing you at the audition and that was sort of all that he said in response and you know I left his office and I was like okay I don't know how that went but I spoke my mind and then um after I did the uh, audition for the show, I, I started hearing uh, whispers from people, from professors and from friends, saying that I had uh, pissed the director off and saying that I had like said things that I hadn't actually said to him. You know, rumors were starting to spread that I was... Um, you know, gonna like drop out of the program and rumors were, uh, you know, that I, that I 
um, told him that I didn't want to do the show because I didn't like the show or I, you know, people were saying that I wanted to like give other people a shot to do shows because I was mm-hmm. getting cast so much, which, you know, is totally uh, stupid. Yeah, yeah, it's people like true. project. <laughs> yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Um, and, you know, people that know me, I just don't, I don't talk like that. I, I don't. You needed a fucking kind of break, dude. Right. And I, I, and I thought it was a mature thing to do. And a lot of other people no one did not. Ever done what you did. I, thank you. Thank you. They I, would have just, they would have done a show, been overworked, and it would have not been quality work only to kind of not only boost the resume, but like boost the clout for their future casting. That's what they would have done. Well, and that was like, like that was me because I was so overworked at college. Mm, like mm-hmm. I, you know, was yeah, saying, in you, the same boat, 24 right. hours, Swish, also Fifth Street, like just about so Swish. much yeah. stuff. <laughs> And then, and doing a main stage on top of that is just like, I, I mean, I took off Swish. I dropped classes. Oh, yeah, like, I remember. It's so hard. And on top of that, we're taking these classes like Meisner and which is like our main acting that class. require like hours of work outside of school when it's you're supposed to be resting. Emotionally it's, draining Yeah, work. it's like on top of the work that we're doing in all these classes, which are not like 45-minute classes, like they're hour, two-hour, three-hour classes. You are also doing at least an hour, two hour, three hours of work outside of class. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. who's paying rent? That's the other question. <laughs> That's the other question. Right. Um, yeah. And so I, uh, yeah, I appreciate what you said. I mean, it is, I think, a tendency for a lot of students and especially students in the arts to uh, just sort of push that voice uh, that says you need a break to the back of your mind and just power through. Um, and I was at, you know, just the unique position that I was in in my life at the time. I realized that if I didn't start cutting back in some capacity, it was going to have really, really disastrous effects. I, I was at a point where I was, uh, my ultimatum was I either had to cut back in some capacity or I was ready to just drop out of school entirely. Mm-hmm. It was it was that extreme at that point for me. So what is it like when you start hearing all these rumors, you start hearing all these things and like, like what do you do? What is your next step? Uh, yeah, I mean... It was, it was really, it was really frustrating at first, uh, to hear, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people that I trusted were kind of, uh, perpetuating these, uh, rumors about me, um, about things that I had said that, you know, I, I thought that I had led my life in a way and given the impression that I did not act in that way. I didn't, uh, you weren't like insulting or anything, right? I I was, was, I was was clearly out of like, you know, honesty and, and, you know, out of, it wasn't out of malice or, or any sort of trickery from you. Right. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, (laughs) I know that was, I was kind of stretching for that one. And I was like, ah, no, no, you're right. Like I wasn't, I wasn't here trying to like pull a fast one on our professors. And give the mere peasants a chance. Right, right. Oh like, you know, God. give someone else a chance <laughs> to have some fame or whatever. Like I, I wasn't trying to, 
you know, it wasn't that I was not a fan of 1776. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I thought that it wasn't you worth took my a time. huge risk like it's yeah. a huge risk what you did to only like to, for your mental and like physical health it's not it's not something that anyone would do if they desperately needed to you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like like if you take a risk like that you it's got to be out of some sort of like you, you know honesty right mm-hmm. so when at like at what point after this do you apply for tepper Ah, uh, yeah Okay, so this... Um, Wait, I have a question before that. How'd you yeah. find out about Tepper? Oh, that's part of the story. Okay, that's okay, part- keep going. It actually ties in um, to sort of this whole uh, time in my life, junior year as well. So what ended up happening um, when I talked to uh, this professor in his office um, is he decided, you know, if... Uh, if I wasn't up for doing his production at that time, then I I wasn't up for doing any production at any time that semester. So essentially what happened was uh, that and second for the, semester. for the following year, right? It wasn't, it wasn't oh, for okay, the following okay. year. Oh, it yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. We did Sense and Sensibility. Never mind. Yeah, I'm dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that second semester of my junior year, I essentially got blacklisted Definitely. from from working on anything in the department. And... Uh, that was fine. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't super keen on doing a whole lot of performing that semester anyway. So I saw it as sort of a blessing and a curse. But then there were some things that I wanted to work on. Uh, I I got an opportunity to uh, assistant music direct for a show, which is something that I always wanted to do. And then I was told I wasn't allowed to do that. Um, and I got an opportunity to uh, help put on. Uh, a new work and I was told I wasn't allowed to do that because I couldn't you know for whatever reason um, right because you couldn't do the main stage so you can't do anything right they decided that uh they were going to make the decisions for me um since in their mind uh I think so I think in their minds what I was doing was trying to you know somehow put myself above the uh the production or say that I was too good for or you know had more important things mm-hmm. on my plate at the moment when in reality what I just wanted to be able to you know focus on my schoolwork and sleep sleep and <laughs> you know make it out of college with my sanity intact essentially mm-hmm. and and it was a move that I felt was uh necessary for me at the time but you know all of that aside it it was a really a really weird messy time uh in my college experience and it was it was really a great learning experience as well but during that semester while I was uh while I was not doing any shows I uh that spring I took a trip to New York for spring break with my girlfriend at the time. And um, and me? Was this our spring break? Was this our spring break? I think this was our spring break. We were... Uh, you meet Jessica and Jessica and Carrie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a party. It was, I, yeah, that, that was that spring. Um, okay, so Jane and I, my good friend Jane, <laughs> we went to New York. Maybe you guys know Jane? Have you ever yeah, met her before? I don't know if you've met her. Um, so we were in New York and I was... Uh, I, I was seeing some 
uh, show. I couldn't even tell you what it was that I was seeing. Um, it might have been Dear Evan Hansen. I think that was when I saw the the original cast of Dear Evan Hansen in like the second row and like my god yeah Ben Platt like spat on my face and it was the best thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> um but uh we were walking down the street and uh we ran into a guy who uh my ex-girlfriend Carrie used to work with and he was talking about what he was up to um he was in the city uh but he was still in school at the time and we were both kind of like, but don't you go to school in Texas? What do you mean you're in school right now? And he told us about the program he was in, which was the Tepper semester, um, and how they had a sort of smaller remote campus in New York. They invited students from Syracuse and students from uh, Abilene Christian University in Texas to uh, come to New York and take classes with uh, professionals in the industry and do uh, workshops with casting directors and directors and all sorts of uh, different people and see two shows every week. And he kept going on and on and on about this program. And I was like, this sounds like the coolest thing. And he turns to me and he goes, oh, wait, you should totally apply. They just opened this past year. Uh, they opened up applications to anyone from any university. And so I went back immediately after spring break. I went online and applied. And then I had like a phone interview uh, with Lisa, the head of the program. And then I got in and it was like... So what what does that feel like? It like, is it, is it a letter? Crazy. Is it a phone call? Like what, how do you know you got in? I, uh, I got an email. It was an email. a, uh, acceptance. Ooh, technology. Yeah. We're green here. Okay, we're, cool. we're past letters yeah. here. Um, <laughs> so, so what does that feel like? You open the email, it says you got into Tepper. Like what, what is that like? It was wild. I, I knew very little about the program at the time besides that I wanted to do it. And, um, after talking to the head of the program, uh, she was incredibly gracious and, you know, spoke very highly of the program and had a lot of really great things to say and gave me a lot of, uh, you know, more in-depth information than I was able to get online. And when I got the acceptance email, it was kind of this feeling of almost... Uh, disbelief uh, because I knew something like this if I got in was going to kind of change the trajectory of my life Um, I was gonna say so after everything that's happened at school that semester does it almost feel like a way out like that feels like that's the escape that's the thing to do or or do you have like um like, are you thinking like, yes, absolutely, great, that's my way out of here, that's what I'm going to do, or does do you have second thoughts about it? It was, yeah, it was kind of bittersweet. It was, um, because of course, um, going to a university, you get so close to the people that you meet in school, especially in like a theater program when you have, you know, 10 to 16 people in your major that year you get so close with everyone that 
you're taking classes with. It was really bittersweet when I realized, oh, so my last semester of school, I'm essentially going to have to start all over again, meeting new friends and, you know, learning a new uh, school eventually, like mm-hmm. finding my way around. Um, and there, there was a small part of me that was excited, especially after the experience that I had my junior year to, you know, quote unquote, have a way out of that situation. But at the same time, it, I knew that the reason that I applied wasn't because I wanted to escape my situation because I truly, truly, I love the the program at ECU. Like mm-hmm. the professors and everything uh, were just so formative to like where I am right now. They taught me so much and it it felt less like an escape for me and more like a next step. Um, and it was really... Uh, once I started making the the plans to actually, um, when I was like applying for the classes there and when I was uh, emailing with professors uh, and actually taking the steps towards um, getting myself to New York and doing this program, um, it really started to feel like this was just a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and I'm really, really glad that I did it. I'm really thankful that I ran into Will on the street in New York <laughs> and was able to find out about this program because otherwise I don't think I would have, uh, I don't think I would be where I am right now. I wouldn't be living in New York. I wouldn't be on the Book of Mormon tour if I hadn't, you know, done things the way that I did, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Um. Oh man, I just had a question and then it, oh yeah. <laughs> so did that, cause you, so you live in New York for a semester. Do you feel like that made your college to real world transition easier? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, I want to talk about that transition. Yeah. What was that like? Um, well, while I was, while I was in New York, um, still in school, I, I was, my, um, explanation I guess of how it felt was it was kind of like living in New York on training wheels because I Mm, okay I love that (laughs) yeah I got to um I got to be in the city I got to experience that sort of vibrancy that New York City has to offer um I like learned how the trains work which is a huge part of living here um for sure oh yeah um and I made a lot of connections with uh, people from Syracuse and from Abilene Christian. Some of them are still of, uh, some of them are still some of my best friends here in the city. Um, one of them is my roommate Braden, who's um, uh, one of my best friends that I made while I was there. Um, but it was a really great transition phase for me I think into living in New York because I I knew that I wanted to live in New York 
eventually, but I don't think I knew um, how or when Mm -hmm. I was going to get there. But once I lived there for a semester, um, I had a few friends that were living in the city and I had a few connections with uh, uh, casting directors and mentors uh, that I knew were actively working here. Um, And once I got to when it came time for graduation, I basically decided that I was going to go home for graduation, go back to ECU, um, walk across the stage in my cap and gown, and then fly right back to New York. And so I think it was like two or three days that I was back in North Carolina to actually graduate. And then I went right back to New York and I was subletting. And I was poor. I was like (laughs) dirt poor in New York. I was uh, subletting for a month. Uh, Oh no, before that, I was sleeping on couches. I think I stayed in uh, one of my friend's bedrooms who was gone for like four days and then I slept on someone's couch and then I subletted for a week somewhere and I was doing uh, temp jobs and dog walking and all sorts of things to make money. Um, But I felt like I already had a bit of an anchor uh, in the city just from my time that I spent here um, living in the way that I did, taking classes and learning and growing and being encouraged as an artist, I felt like that really propelled me for enough time of like poverty and mediocrity while I was there post-grad that I think everyone experiences when you first move to New York. Um, That was enough fuel to my fire um, doing the Tepper semester to keep me afloat for a while until I really got my bearings. And then, you know, a few, a few months in, I got an apartment of my own and really started to feel like I was living in New York. And once I had my feet under me a little bit more then I started actually like getting work uh, in the city, which was, which was really great. Um, and so everything, everything really just sort of, uh, came together at the right time for me. Mm-hmm. It was, it was really, uh, I got very, very lucky. I will say I was very lucky and am very lucky, I think, to be where I am. I think that that's how you know when things are working out. Like where, that's how you know where um, you're, you're in the right place at the right time. Because when I, I struggled for like a year after college, like oh, yeah. really struggled. And then as soon as I moved to New York, everything just started falling into place. And that's how you know that you're like on the right path, mm-hmm, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, cool. I think you really, uh, you know, I keeping up with you um, after graduation, I really, uh, I, I watched you you know, sorry to turn it on, uh, the host for a second. (laughs) Um, no, but I, uh, I, I watched you, um, after graduation sort of, and I don't think it will like embarrass you or anything, but like struggle to find your footing for a bit, uh, with what you were doing. And then I, I really, that horrible job, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I really think once you got to New York, I saw a side of you that I really, had not seen in a while and I got to see things really fall into place and um 
when you started your career at Equinox, that was such a huge step. Um, and watching you create this like lifestyle of, of fitness and wellness and, uh, being like a, a, a influencer on, on YouTube and now the podcast and everything. Whoa, that's a big word. <laughs> I know. Capital I influencer over here. Quality content. Quality content. Quality, Quality content, content, but I wouldn't quite call myself an influencer. <laughs> but you know, all of that to say, I think, uh, there's a certain energy about New York that uh, once you get here, mm-hmm. uh, if you really like hustle, things just kind of happen the way they're supposed to happen. Because so there's just so much going on here that it's, you know, it's just hard not to find something that inspires you. Right. I think it's just like the ultimate sink or swim city. And the only way to swim is to join the hustle. And it's so, like you said, inspiring once you get here and seeing everything, all the moving parts just going so incredibly fast. It's, it's so much easier to like get up in the morning and go and have those simple goals you want to tackle. And with completing those simple goals, you kind of get closer and closer to like your larger ones. And it's just, that's what attracted me to this place. Cause Mm -hmm. where where Mm -hmm. I lived, I mean, after post or post grad for me, was very slow and stagnant. I was stuck, tried to do some acting stuff, but it fell right, through, right. didn't work out. And I was in, you know, Mooresville, North Carolina, which isn't really the central hub of acting and creative, you know, uh, <laughs> inspiration. Right. I, I wouldn't call it a hotbed. For, no, uh, no, it's, it's, it's almost Hollywood, but just a little different. Just like a little, yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> a the couple less Bentleys, of you know, um, yeah. Uh, but that, that's why I was like, I, you know, I gotta move, I gotta move to, you know, and, and I had my own internal battle with either L.A. or New York, but New York was just so obvious that if you move to New York, you will either hustle or lose. And, you know, losing is not really I don't really like to do that. So it's like it kind of forces you to kind of go up and get after it, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, see, you know, city lights, man. You know, well, I think that's Paris. That's Paris. Yeah, we're, the, lights, we're right? the city that never sleeps. That's right. What's that's yeah. right. That's Chicago. Chicago. But it's actually, did you know that Chicago's not called the Windy City because it's windy? I have what? a friend. I, know, I have a friend. I have a friend from Chicago, and she was like, "I mean, it's kind of windy. Like it gets windy." She's like, "But it's actually called that because of like political reasons or something." I don't really know the whole thing. We, the we'll, we'll look it up. If I go to Chicago and it's not a hurricane, if it's, it's not bullshit. The windiest place <laughs> I've ever been. You're like, who the fuck? Is this? <laughs> oh my god. Who do you think you are, Chicago? <laughs> okay, what what advice would you give to someone who maybe is in like a similar situation? Like they're they're at school and they're just feeling so overworked. They don't. They're maybe feeling a little bit lost in their path. What would you tell them? And like torn between obligations, because like oh, I think that's wow. a lot of big thing. Like you were kind of committed to this school, committed to your friends and professors, and like doing this, and you kind of had all these obligations, but you kind of you know left them in the in in, in the back seat for a better reason and that's just such a hard thing to do yeah yeah i um well first and foremost i mean i think everyone sort of experiences that differently and i mean the best advice that i think i can give is just sort of like really listen to yourself and um even when it seems really difficult because, you know, I, I know how it can be with, with school and uh, with 
doing a uh, uh, performing arts degree and everything, it, it seems like you have to, a lot of the time it seems like you have to please everyone. You have to like make your professors proud. You have to put everything you have into whatever show you're doing or whatever. Um, but I think really just listening to yourself and figuring out what is important to me, what is holding me back and what do I need to do to get to a place where I can be the best version of myself. Uh, because I think what that period of my life, uh, taught me the most is you can do the most work, but it's not going to be the best work. There are some people that can thrive in that kind of a situation where you're just wildly overworked and everything feels like uh, the deadline is approaching faster than you can get the work done and you have so many people relying on you and none of it's happening. And those people are psychopaths. Those people... uh, Or they do a lot of cocaine. Or Yeah, I mean... Either or. Um, But I found that when I was trying to fulfill everything that I thought I needed to do when I was doing two degree programs and a separate honors program and uh, taking way too many credit hours, do not got, do not take more than, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 20 credit hours. I was about to say like, I, I, like when I was doing like 21, life was good. When I did 24, it was just I w- yeah. It was bad. I would have it to say bad. max it and out. And they lie about the amount of hours it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A one credit hour class is like a two hour class. And it also yeah. I did twenty two two semesters in a row, and it was just miserable. Oh yeah. And then I worked at Lowe's, which was just on top of it. Oh, I heard the Lowe's story. That was hilarious. But it never ends, and it smells like out. wood chips. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, but I mean, I've I've heard from people from other uh, other majors in college that like, you know, other majors do not let you take over eighteen. There's no mm-hmm. such thing uh, as over hours for some other programs in some universities, uh, and I think that's a good thing because when I was taking twenty three hours and also doing like costume crew hours and also in a show. And I was going from, I I That's would ridiculous. literally have 18 hour days and then do my homework. It was crazy. It was crazy. So, so sorry, not to cut you off. So when I got to Equinox, they were like, okay, be prepared for like really long days. Okay. Cause like they're, they're really long days. Sure. Like, You're going to get there at like five 30 and leave at like 6 PM, maybe like seven. And I was like, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then oh, okay. I was like, oh no, no, no! You guys don't understand. I used to be an actor. You don't get it, <laughs> right? But try yeah. doing a ten out of twelve. Yeah. <laughs> then talk talk to me after you've done a ten out of twelve. Talk to me after you've done a ten out of twelve that turns into like a fourteen out of fifteen. Right. I'm like, dude, it's I'm good. This, this is easy. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, going back to what I was saying, if I can remember what I was saying, but when I was doing all of those different things, uh, 
I was doing passable work at most of them, but I was getting like B's and C's and D's in most of my classes and uh, right. I, I, most of my like gen eds, I was like borderline failing them. Uh, that's why I dropped out of the honors college is because uh, it was either they were going to kick me out or I was going to drop out. Um, and, and, uh, you know, my work in shows that I was doing was also just very mediocre, I felt. And I took a step back and I realized that, yes, I was accomplishing all of these things to some extent, but I didn't feel like I was doing what I wanted to be doing. Um, and, you know, bringing it back to, uh, doing the Tepper semester, I, I got there, the, the workload was, I had a similar situation where they like Mm -hmm. warned me about the workload. Um, I was on the phone with someone and they were saying, now the workload is going to be pretty intense. So you need to prepare yourself. We're going to have 19 hours this semester of classes. And I was like, that's like four less than I've been taking this whole time. That's nothing. But wouldn't it? Oh, and there's no like shows. Right. And no shows, no gen eds. Wouldn't it piss you off? It would piss me off to no end when I would hear like random people that like I would be in like gen eds with bitch about their like 12, 14 hour semester being like, I'm so overworked. I have no time to go out. I'm missing mug night every Monday. I was like, bro, I've never seen a mug night. Yeah. Okay. What are friends? What are. (laughs) <laughs> but really, what's PBs? What does that mean? Ah, <laughs> uh, ECU, uh, ECU, ECU comedy. PBs? Are we in calculus? <laughs> <laughs> Boo! Oh, oh, you might, you might have. <laughs> I just laughed directly into the mic. You might have to like, crank that down. Great, great, great. Skip snooze. Skip snooze. But uh, yeah, when I got to Tepper, I got to, I got to do a lot less work than I had been doing. And I felt like for the first time in a long time, I was able to apply myself in a way that I felt the work that I was doing required. And I felt a much deeper connection to um, my training and like myself as an actor than I had felt in a long time. And that really... Uh, was what, you know, reoriented me in a way that I think set me up for uh, my life in New York because the the professors that I had here, um, here being New York at the Tepper semester, um, the professors that I had here um, were instilling me with this confidence in myself that I never really think that I had before that point um, where for the first time I didn't feel like I was a student I felt like I was an actor and that was like a very new yeah Yeah. and I didn't know that I didn't feel that way before Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden I was like this is what it feels like to you know, for lack of a better word, to like do the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so all of that in answer to your advice <laughs> question, I think 
I think really just listen to yourself. Less work and better work is the way to go. Yeah. I love that. Um, that's, uh, all, that's all the questions I have. And also, if you want to book Book of Mormon, you got to tap dance. Yo, if you, if you want to oh book Book God. of Mormon, <laughs> you got to get in tap right now. Because I'll tell you, there's one tap number in the show. But it's but the number. It, it's the number. It <laughs> is way more difficult than it looks. Uh, We're talking about turn it off, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, a, like some would say even a light switch, right? Okay. Some would say a light switch. Um, speaking of tap, uh, let's all laugh at my audition for Young Frankenstein when I got a callback for the monster and I had to go to that tap number. Oh, did you really? I had to go to the fucking tap. I love Brian. Like, he, I'm so glad he gave me a callback because it was so fun. But, dude, I've never even put on a pair of tap <laughs> shoes, let alone tap. So me Did and- you walk in there like, dude, uh, I didn't I, bring my tap shoes? Dude, I think I took a shot before I went, honestly. Because I was like, I'm A, I'm not going to get this role because I'm not kidding. Joe Webster and I, and Joe can attest to this, we took like, I think we took a shot before we went. Yo, just was because Joe in that callback? Too? He was in the callback, dude, for the monster. Oh, my In the God. tap callback. So we were just like was going- it was me, Maddie, and Connor Gurney. Oh my god! Okay. Oh, me, so Maddie, it was like, oh, who's gonna? Yeah, get me, Maddie, roll? Joe, <laughs> me, Maddie, Joe, and Connor. And I mean, and it was a nail biter, dude. Uh, <laughs> it came right down to the wire. But dude, we like everyone had tap shoes and laducas. I showed up in like tennis shoes, and I'm like, a, no one's gonna hear my tap. But b, how the fuck do you tap? Like, even if I had tap shoes, you wouldn't be hearing sounds. We but... went up and, like, all of our friends and, like, the girls would watch us and we would just butcher the number. And then everyone's like, yeah! It became, like, a game on, like, how close we could get to even one correct move. <laughs> I had a blast at that. Oh, my God. That's good. That's awesome. Great. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of Go course, ahead, pimp yourself yeah. out. What's your what's your Instagram? Oh man, okay. I am on uh Instagram, Twitter, wherever you can find me is uh Daniel Fetz, D-A-N-I-E-L-F-E-T-T-S. Um I post some pretty pretty crazy stuff on there guys I'd so say it's quality you'll, content you want to check it out it's uh you don't want to miss it is what i'm saying <laughs> make sure you guys follow the skip snooze podcast on instagram we are at skip snooze pod i'm jane k simmons on instagram jane simmons on youtube I am Grant underscore Vandervoort on Instagram, Grant Vandervoort on Facebook, but who uses Facebook anymore? And I don't have a Twitter. I was about to oh. say, uh, MySpace account. Um, you can hit me up on uh, Yik Yak at uh, G Swaggin. I have a TikTok. I posted G-swag- once. Hold on. Just G-swaggin? no, I'm totally, I'm totally kidding. I don't have a, t- I don't have a Yik Yak. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say, but is that G Swaggin thing real? Uh, actually, my Snapchat name I made it when it first came out, and I was like, I think in ninth grade or eighth grade, and it's Grant Dash Merkin. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, like is it's just okay, it's okay. Your middle name Merkin. Okay, no, it's it's, it's just ratchet. It's stupid. Okay. Don't follow me on Snapchat because I won't reply nor open because I don't use Snapchat. All right, good. Um, but oh, yes, Daniel. also, also, uh. Go to the Book of Mormon Broadway.com slash tour Hells to yeah. find yeah, out get where the tour tickets. is going to be. Uh, we're probably coming to a city near you because we're going all over the place over it's the next couple months. National. It's yeah. a tour. It's a, well, unless you're outside of the U.S., then we're not coming to a Then place you're lame. Now. Everyone but, outside of the U.S. sucks. Just kidding. We love you. Right, right. What the heck? All Did of our non U.S. fans, fuck you. Don't uh, listen. 
<laughs> dislike the podcast. Right. It's, re- it's reverse Please psychology. thumbs okay, down. Okay. okay. Uh, don't forget to review and subscribe. And do we have and, anything and rate, else to say? yeah, rate, rate the episodes too, because unless that, you're uh, outside you know, the U.S., yeah, let, let us know. Mm, one, yeah, unless, one unless you're outside the U.S., unless you're out of the U.S., then you can like uh, enjoy or like I don't know. I, was gonna I don't know. Stupid. Okay, okay. Um, anyway, yes, Daniel, thank you so much. Always good seeing you, man. <laughs> thank you guys. Um, this has been such a treat. Um, yeah, thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think we've decided. be sure to. Uh, okay, this has gone skip on for way too long. Yeah, skip snooze. Um, enjoy um, the skip outro. Skip that snooze button. Enjoy the outro music. Uh, now.